Oh, you know what? We should talk about Lost. Oh, uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, brother. We're talking about season one, episode three of Lost, Tabula Rasa. It first aired on October 6th, 2004. Technically, it's the third episode, although this is the first episode that was made after the show got picked up from the pilot. It is a Kate-centric episode. Derek, what did you think of Tabula Rasa? I liked it. Which, <laughs> this is the first time in my life that I have ever watched this episode at least a week after the last one. Yeah. What a dramatic difference in production <laughs> yep. and acting and uh, lines that just hit. Like, the jokes, I was, like, actively laughing. <laughs> there were some things that just didn't hit as well in the pilot. I mean, Sawyer, he's he's starting to just toss out nicknames. Transmission Abdul picked up on his little radio for how long was it, Freckles? The French chick that said Al Jazeera, he'll protect Al Jazeera's a network. You can tell that, A, they're all annoyed, and B, they know exactly who he's talking about, which is what annoys them even more. Long story <laughs> short is i i liked it how did you feel about it i liked it and i i think this was also the first time that i watched it without having immediately watched the preceding one and so it didn't bother me as much when they would recap things where it's sort of like yeah we just saw the pilot get killed or yeah we just listened to that transmission and it was like okay thank you for for bringing me up to speed on that but i agree things are a lot crisper it doesn't feel like they got some good actors to come in and guess who these characters were it feels like they have a more defined idea of who these characters are i I did not remember that we got Crazy Eyes Jack so soon uh, in the show. We got Crazy Eyes Jack in this. But it's incredible to me watching this now and seeing how quickly they dialed certain things in. Like Hurley being the audience surrogate. Him asking all of the questions that the audience is asking. What do you think she did? Was it a dinosaur? He's not going to die. He's yellow, man. 120 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, but she's got that gun. So how do you know it wasn't a dinosaur? He's great, and I really enjoyed that. And the fact that Sawyer and Jack already dislike each other. I mean, Sawyer dislikes everybody, but the fact that he's already crackling back and forth with Jack, it's like that scene with him in the fuselage where he says, I'm wow. Yeah. Yeah, you are. So we start off with people going through their luggage. It's clear that the beach people which I've heard them referred to as beach bunnies, and I've also heard Hughes and Damon Lindelof refer to them as the socks. I always assumed that it was because they were basically sock puppets that didn't really matter, uh, and they would kill them <laughs> off whenever they felt it was convenient. But we see the socks. They're going through their luggage. It's clear they know that they're going to be here for a little bit longer, and this is when Jack sees Kate's mugshot. He, he sees a picture of her looking great, by the way. She looks pretty hardcore. We see Saeed with the group coming back, the night falls, and Saeed uses the burning stick the exact same way that Jack used the leaf in the pilot. But he does it in a way that makes a lot more sense, that you would just use a stick with fire on it. You wouldn't take the time. I so have to say it's not And it seems that from what Hurley says later, they also know that the pilot was eaten by this monster, which I think we both settled on is some sort some sort of a plot hole because they didn't tell people about that. And this is this is my first big asterisk is they all decide to lie to the group about the transmission. And this is where we come to the the crux of this show, which is all of our main characters have problems with trust and trusting people, and they liars. They are big lying liars. I hear you on that. This is 
One of the times, though, where, like, Saeed gets my gold star this episode as de facto leader. Um, yeah. What I really liked was that he starts with, we're going to lie. But he then explains it in a way where I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's, no, uh, he's, not, he's not wrong, but it does set a precedent for the show, which is this core group of people are the main characters who tell each other things, but don't tell the socks anything. But you are right. Saeed would have been a better leader than Jack when he's telling people we need to start rationing food and electronics and we can capture water from the rain and i'm watching this and you know jack is taking care of the marshal i'm watching this and thinking yeah saeed has military training he understands people a lot better than jack does why isn't saeed our main focus here why isn't he our main character yeah it's very difficult for me to remember the political climate and I, but i'm sure that has something to do with it you know a, a middle eastern man in a plane crash three years after 11. <laughs> True. That was the other note I wrote about Saeed was when he tells the people, we need a group to gather computer chips. You know, yeah, giving people stuff to do so they don't lose their minds or panic and still feel useful. Yeah. Yeah, great leadership. <laughs> so then we get to Hurley finds out that Kate is a criminal. He also sees her mugshot. All of his reactions in this episode are fantastic. I love Hurley. And it's funny too, because I, I enjoyed him in the pilot, but this is the episode watching him where I remembered, oh, he's, he's a big old teddy bear. He is honest, and he is good, and he is scared of the things I would be scared of, 100%. I love his exchange with Kate. She's getting uh, progressively more flustered. And then, like, I don't know if they do this intentionally, but, like, reversal of, like, a misogynist who maybe would check out Kate's butt, but instead Hurley just looks straight at the gun and is like, oh, okay, I'm going. Continue. We got our flashback. Kate, uh, calling herself Annie, uh, starts working on an Australian farm with Ray Mullen, who has a hell of a Morgan. We get Kate telling Jack about the transmission because they got a little special thing, which is very clear already. And Hurley is asking very good questions of Jack about like, hey, did you tell her that you saw her mugshot? And he's like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. And Hurley's like, why would you do that? She looks pretty hardcore. Sawyer immediately starts looting for food, smokes, and a couple playboys. Charlie finds a wheelchair. Wonder if that's going to come into play. Jin tells Sun to wash up, but he says that he loves her, which feels like a studio oh. note to me. So after that, it rains. Kate has trust issues. She stayed on the farm for three months, and Ray Mullen says everyone deserves a fresh start. And I think that will be a theme that will come up later, not only in this episode, but also in this show. And my first question of the episode is, do we ever learn why the marshal hates Kate enough to choke her? Because I Thank remember you. he shows up in several of her flashbacks, but I don't remember that she ever does anything that's so wildly dangerous that he would be like, I must kill you as with my dying breath this is the thing he has such a hard on for hating her yes and did you get the impression that when he says to jack she got to you too are we gonna find out that kate and the marshal had a thing like it does it does feel that way i always expected it to go that way and from what i remember that's never the case like we just learn in subsequent flashbacks that he just taunts her with her wanting to be normal and getting like her boyfriend killed or whatever yeah it's weird and i remember i think you 
talked about this in some of our previous episodes that Kate's initial setup as this criminal doesn't really pan out. It just kind of softens more and more over the course of the series where we, we are led to believe that she's much more dangerous and much more of like a badass than she really ends up being. She really just ends up being a person who's constantly, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that sucks because one of the things I like about this is that we do have this Kate that you can see, you can tell she's just with her eyes that she's sizing up the situation. She's trying to figure out, you know, is she going to need to, who is she going to side with? Does she need to run? Uh, you know, what is she going to have to do? And she's colder. She's a lot colder to Sawyer and she's even a lot colder to Jack. She's got that frosty edge to her. You know, this is somebody who's been alone for a long time and she does have trust issues because it's just her relying on herself. Yeah, she is my um, most disappointing character, mm -hmm. at least in memory. I, I guess we'll see how it pans out. But I think that's part of my problem is that I want her to be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah. This episode gives us no reason to believe that Kate warrants uh, a $23,000 ransom. <laughs> and the marshal just comes across as a dick. Yes. It's even like Absolutely. the driving up and doing the, the finger gun of, I got you. <laughs> What's your plan, guys? <laughs> like, yeah, why, why is the marshal driving like an asshole like he yeah. already we've already established that ray has turned her in he just needs to stop the car and let the marshal take her away the marshal doesn't need to be driving all across the road he's just a dick uh, yeah. that little finger gun to do that thing because he's driving on the right side he has to like switch his hands to make that symbol I'm, that's such a uh, i don't i don't like i like the actor i think he plays this character really well but that character is such a ugh, you don't you don't like him you don't like him at all. Yeah, maybe that's part of it is that they want you to want him dead, not just because he's dying. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, anyone deserves to die on this island. It's definitely this guy. My next note that I have here is we already got crazy eyes, Jack, when he says. I am not a murderer, and it's in the rain, and uh, and the rain's coming down at him, and his eyes just they just get they get wide, and they also get squinty at the same time. And my favorite Jack is Crazy Eyes Jack. <laughs> the reward is $23,000, as you said. We had the numbers the last episode, but this is the first time I picked up that the numbers show up in a new context. And that is something that will happen throughout the series, is that... Uh, numbers from the sequence 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42 will continuously show up in these characters' lives. There's a weird use of slow motion in this episode. There's like two or three yeah. shots where there was Jack looking at Kate, there was Kate looking at Jack, and I think Kate looking at the Marshal. Where it's just, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird style choice that I don't recall being in, um the rest of the show. We have Walt telling his dad that Mr. Locke said a miracle happened. We have Michael telling Walt that he'll get his dog back in the, and I quote, haunted damn jungle, which is how I will refer to the jungle from now on. <laughs> Uh, we get Michael being chased by, I believe it's a boar. I, we don't, we don't find out what it is in this episode. So it could have been another polar bear. could have been, could have been anything really, uh, where he finds son washing herself. I remember thinking this scene was really funny the first time I saw it. And I didn't think it was funny this time where he just hands her back her clothes and just says, like, I didn't see anything. It just felt sad. I think that's probably just me, like, in my thoughts about Michael maybe coloring the, the scene. I don't know. What did you think? I want to give Michael a little bit of credit this episode. Or maybe it's being a dad. I, I'll find your dog. It's the rain stops. And then the rain stops. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. That was um, definitely the island fucking with. Where I think I'm yeah. pretty... I'm pretty sold on that idea. 
there have been plenty of times where it's like it's like well I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll do the thing and then realizing like what am i thinking i don't i'm not a dog finder like what <laughs> what are you expecting me to do yeah he just like walks out there and in, into the the haunted damn jungle and it's like <laughs> what am i what am i do like i i don't know how to find a dog if it didn't come i have no idea how to find like because i've certainly done that where like you know the cat i'll just like walk outside and be like you out there and, well i've done all i can like yeah you know, it's like that's that's my that's that's all i can do <laughs> yeah it was a very uh, a much more human dad moment than certainly in the pilot so I liked it. Yeah, same thing with the sun. And I, I give it a little bit of forgiveness because I, I did like the um him walking away. And I to even a degree I can forgive him grabbing a shirt and passing it to her. I did have to remind myself he doesn't know that Sun speaks English. <laughs> and and he thinks there's this person who he's now running through the jungle and he comes out all sweaty and it's like, ah, uh, uh, uh. like I have a little bit of forgiveness for Michael's awkwardness. It's definitely a different shade of Michael than I think that we've seen. Mm. And then the other piece of me is like plot wise, you're trying to find pairings or like giving a connection between characters. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like in a similar scenario, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't pick up their shirt uh, yeah, he came to her. It's not she is she has under no obligation to put clothes on herself. He ran out of the haunted damn jungle to get to her. <laughs> That's yeah, the part that I, I, I when I saw that I was like, what are you doing? This is not you don't own this part of the this is this she doesn't have to. You go away. You get out of here. Yeah. So I don't know what purpose this serves. I think it's to set up that. You know, there's something, something between Michael and Son. Like he, he feels some sort of way towards her. But that we know that that ultimately goes nowhere. Next, we go to Locke uh, carving a dog whistle and uh, Charlie trying to uh, cozy up to Locke, which was, he, he talks about him using uh, a flute in a in a song, which was uh, silly, and I liked it. We have Saeed telling Jack that. Rumor is you can't save the marshal's life. And I'm like, damn, Saeed, that's pretty cold. Also kind of catty. We have Marshall telling Jack not to trust Kate, no matter how she makes you feel. We've got the flashback of the marshal driving like an asshole. We have Kate wanting to make sure that Ray Mullen gets his 23 grand. And we have Sawyer shooting the marshal, but fucking it up. I remember that was a big surprise for me the first time I saw the show. I remember you see Kate leaving and you see Jack like, he's like, oh, what did you do? She's like, I didn't do anything. And then you hear that the loudest gunshot in the world. It was super loud on my TV. And you've got Sawyer coming out, you know, swinging his big dick, just being like, I was going to do what you couldn't. And then the sound of the marshal choking on his own blood is, oh, that's horrible. That's so horrible. I remember that moment as vividly as anything when I first watched the show is first the realization that Sawyer shot this guy and be like, whoa, this guy's this guy's for real. And then... Knowing that the show went there where it's like, nope, you fucked that up. This is uh, this is an even more horrible way to die. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Jack looking at this guy telling Sawyer. You miss. And at first I thought that was a, a clever bit of screenwriting from the from the writers just being like, it's like just because you shoot someone in the chest doesn't mean that, you know, they die. Uh, although I have read and I, I haven't fact checked this, but I have read that Carlton Hughes said that they actually thought that. In reality, the likelihood of Sawyer missing his heart was low, and that's why they decided to give him glasses later on. But I, I would just 
I would just chalk it up to if you're somebody who doesn't shoot people regularly, you know, you think you know where the heart is. Like, I think I know where the heart is, but I don't know. Just because you get shot does not mean you die. I believe it's implied, but never actually said that uh, Jack does choke him to death, right? Yeah, that's definitely a bigger question I have, because, yeah, pretty sure Jack just killed somebody. Yeah, I, and I think that's why he's, like, staring off into the ocean at the end of the episode. It's it's not so much that he, he that the man died, it's that Jack had to kill him, uh, which is, you know, not just against his Hippocratic Oath, but also, you know, he didn't want to have to kill this guy. That was something he was very clearly against. And so the so yeah, the sound the sound editing top notch for the episode because you've got the gunshot, you've got the choking, and then you have what sounds like the asphyxiating as as Jack does the merciful thing and ends this guy's life. So uh, we get Locke finding Walt's dog and lets Michael be the one to bring it to him, which is an incredibly sweet moment. We have the maybe the most important conversation. Uh, in the, in this early part of the show where Jack talks to Kate and says he doesn't want to know what she did, doesn't matter who they were before the crash, and he says, three days ago, we all died. And I submit to you once more the purgatory theory that this was always meant to be them dealing with the sins of their past. I don't know what that says about the Marshall, though, so I don't, that kind of tears a hole in the thing, kind of perforates the lung of that theory. Maybe he just sucked. Well, I mean, he definitely just sucked. But his final conversation with Kate, I did think that that was, um, as you mentioned before, like to give that actor some credit, because again, it's just the character that, that I hate. <laughs> I actually really liked the, that scene. I didn't remember enjoying that scene the first time I saw it, but I really enjoyed it this time around when the marshal mm. talks to Kate about how he's like, I'm going to die, right? Are you going to do it? Because they give us at least enough of their backstory that it's like, this guy hates her, he loves watching her suffer, probably imagines that, like, yeah, if the tables were returned, she would kill him. And, and I mean, yeah, with his, like, one of his dying breaths trying to choke her to death. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it really did feel like a sworn enemy looking into the eyes of, like, his greatest foe. And, like, he does play it as, like, a, I want you to. Yeah, uh, no, you're you're right. That it is that sort of acceptance, and and even Sawyer says. But he wanted it. Hell, he asked me. You make you make a good point. And and again, you know, I know obviously Jack means in a metaphorical sense, but I I do I do still very much hold to the theory that the original idea was that they're in purgatory and they're balancing the scales. Basically, they're they're oh a hundred percent peace. I mean, I almost thought we should start this episode with that uh, Google chatbot AI. Uh, that I that I sent you where I was like explain the ending of Lost and they were like <laughs> but it was like a purgatory within a purgatory <laughs> like, oh, got it got it got it um, no I mean it was a hundred percent meant to be purgatory I uh, and I think that it's still possible I mean the part that I know gets that then when more people arrive on the island who know that you can also get off the like it it gets a little <laughs> yeah it doesn't. Uh, it it falls apart in later seasons, but I still I still every time something like that comes up, I'm like, yeah, and and it, yeah, it would have been a bit. Well, whatever. Anyway, point is, uh, <laughs> just in terms of like a a show or a editing thing, because as you mentioned, like the slow mos were weird. Again, like they're like trying to find their footing in that conversation between Kate and the Marshall, because this is the first episode after the pilot. He's like, what was that favor you wanted? She's like, what? Before the plane crash, and they show us the previous episode, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, eagle-eyed viewer would have already known, like, oh, we're finally gonna find out what the favor was, you know, like, 
they didn't need to show us that clip but i i think that's funny that it's like it's like you can see the you know how like juvenile the show or not, not juvenile but like how young the show is yeah. it's like oh we should show them the thing so that they remember it's like they remember we remember like, i mean yeah um, but any any excuse to to cut back to that shot of the the back of the plane just ripping off great great shot so we end the episode with the first hurley uh song montage which will become uh, a regular thing in the show up until hurley's uh music player dies which i remember that being a heartbreaking episode uh, I originally thought this was a Jack Johnson song. Uh, it's a it's a song by Joe Purdy uh, called Wash Away. And I really liked this montage a lot. I liked Saeed tosses Sawyer what looks like an apple. And I, I always thought that this was Saeed sort of sympathizing with Sawyer, you know, maybe as a as a former soldier, maybe as somebody who's, you know, had to take a life before, maybe just to show that, you know, they're all on this island together and, you know, they can't hate each other. 100% of the time. I just, I liked that. I liked seeing him uh, tossing him the fruit. Um, Charlie writes late on his hand because he, he's making nice with Claire. Uh, Michael brings Walt his dog. And then we end on a very sinister shot of John Locke. Who is he? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What's this guy's deal? Is he evil? It's that beautiful montage ending with that slow turnaround. The song like fades out and it gets a little dark and you just see him looking at the family like, what is he going to do? Yeah. Uh, questions, thoughts. Uh, what do you what do you what do you feel? Yeah, I do love and miss the Hurley uh, slow-mo music montages. I think those are so precious. Yeah. Just because like you said, too, it's like it's it's not just the, like they pick the perfect music for it, but also that like. It really does serve as like this nice little bookend on a lot of these episodes. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't get me wrong. And when it eventually ends, I know it's like a gut punch. Because then I think you mentioned that's the score, right? That when it does transition to lock, uh, that Michael G G Giacchino or something like. Giacchino, I think. It's right. Michael Giacchino? Yeah. Whatever that transition is where it's like, this is creepy. <laughs> didn't know that the next episode was a lock episode i feel like that's one of the first times that they really do allude like he's next yeah we're gonna get his episode what is tabula rasa tabula rasa means a clean slate uh i believe i'm gonna wow. look this up uh it's latin for blank slate so it's uh basically they've crashed on this island uh as jack says there is no before we're all just gonna we've all got a fresh start and you know Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. The flashbacks imply that uh, we're still hanging on to our to our baggage, to our former lives. So, and this is where, because I am even still a bit of a Jack Stan, <laughs> I, uh, and I I will say too, I, I got to give this Matthew Fox some some credit for this stuff too. That that line that you had earlier, when, when the way he says "you miss," oh, it it comes with all of the weight of Sawyer having been like teasing jack because it, it does seem like the, the reason why he like picks out all of these nicknames and stuff he's like oh, i'm in the wild i'm a dad this is my environment i i'm fine i'm great you guys are the ones with the problem little people <laughs> and then um so to so for sawyer to then like have a 180 yeah. like it also just feels like in that one line of it has all that weight of like you're wrong everything that you, <laughs> it's, it's it's weight I, is I, a I love for that he does the way that 
Matthew Fox delivers some lines is you feel so much tension inside of him. And it's, oh, God, it's, yeah. And then, they, and then it comes out in the eyes. And then it comes out in the eyes. <laughs> That's one of the things, too, I really liked is uh, when, <laughs> when Kate does tell him about the transmission. And then um, he's like, is that all? <laughs> like, he's in such a way where it's like he doesn't care he he's expecting her to tell him as though he, she would somehow know that I, I forgot to write much. that down that he's like he's like a, an angry boyfriend or something he's sort of like it's like oh yeah okay sure fun transmission yeah 16 years stuck on this island forever somebody got killed whatever why did you lie to me yeah, it's definitely one of those things that I love that, like, you get a clear sense of his priorities. And even um, Saeed very much comes, he's like an exceptional leader. And I feel like there's a version of the show where, like, follow that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say you just be the leader. Because I think it is kind of, because this kind of harkens back to the thing we talked about on the pilot, which was Jack probably, like, looking to get away from people. <laughs> and to an extent, I feel like the marshal is his excuse to not be bothered. Like, yeah 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 no one from the camp is like talking to him, other than like those that seek him out like obviously hurley makes a good nurse kate seeks him out but yeah he very much he does not want to be with the group he he's like oh i've got a patient so i'm gonna stick with that and, you're totally right and, and um, he's just and he's I, yeah, secluded and I, himself he's he's the only per people he talks to is sawyer briefly in the fuselage because he has to saeed comes up to him yeah seemingly to say like rumor is you can't save him and then Aside from that, Hurley and Kate are the only he's talking to. Yeah, you're totally right. I, I like that. And this leads me to, this was my big question that I had. Because uh, it, it uh, like kind of ca and captures the, the, the theme of the, the episode. I didn't know what to make of Jack's to Kate. My, my two interpretations of this is, one is Jack saying, because when Kate's like, I want to tell you. And he says, no, I don't want to know. Is his way of basically saying like, hey, we're going to get rescued. And when we all go back to our own lives, we're all going to be strangers. So I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> it. It's his way of being like, I'm not, I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to commit. I'm not, no one here is my problem. That's uh, so cynical. I love that. It is, but it's all like, it feels a little bit like it could be. But then the other one being like, yes, yeah, is, is this him basically saying like, Please, is is it his way of empathizing? And that it's like I did just kill someone, <laughs> um, so let's let's forget that I did and move on. Like in both ways, I think of it as like very selfish because he's given us no reason to think that he wouldn't be selfish at this point. I certainly don't feel like he's empathizing with Kate of like, hey, you must have had a good reason. It really, to me, seems like he's either saying like, hey, let's forget what you did, and more importantly, forget what I did. Um, <laughs> More or important. it's yeah, or or it's uh we're all going to be for rescued, so why bother getting to know each other? I don't. So I don't think it's that. When I first saw the show, I was like, that is a very enlightened perspective to have. Jack has a very clear head about this. He's saying we've all crashed on this island together, and we are all that we have. So it it's it doesn't benefit us at all to dwell on whatever we did in the past. We need to help each other right now. We don't know how long we're going to be here. I think. In light of everything that we learn about Jack, it's more Jack trying to be this guy and trying to say, we're going to let the past die. But he's not. We saw his real reaction when Kate didn't tell him 
that she was a criminal. We saw it in his face. We saw it in the way that he behaved to her afterwards, having been that guy, you know, not proud to admit, like having been that guy, just be like, okay, fine. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give you the cold shoulder then. We're not going to talk about this. I think Jack wants that. We have a blank slate. Let's, let's use it. Let's not worry about this. But of course, that's not how it works out. Like Jack is an alcoholic. Jack has severe daddy issues. Jack hates people as you have, as you have expertly covered. And, and he wants to be the guy who says we can start fresh. We can start new. And I think he's, and I think also it's, you know, Jack does try sometimes. And I think this is him trying to make Kate feel better. Cause I, I, cause I think Jack and Kate have a special bond, which forged, you know, that day when they met on the beach where he needed her and she sewed him up. And I, I think that is, I think that's genuine. I think I want to believe that it's more than just these are our romantic alpha pair. I want to believe that Jack thinks he and Kate can rely on each other. And what, and what hurts him more than anything is when she doesn't tell him, it's not that she's not telling him about something bad that she did. It's that she's keeping something. And his mindset is like, you know, we survived being chased by maybe a dinosaur. So we should we should be honest with each other. And again, that's presumptuous on Jack's part, a little bit of toxic masculinity. But I, I think I think that is, I think the the most positive take on it is that he wants them to be confidants. He wants them to be able to trust each other. And for for him, it is the it is the best thing for him to say to to say we we're starting we're starting from here. This is this is where we start. Just to backtrack real quick, Hurley asking if it's a dinosaur seems like a perfectly valid question. I uh, oh absolutely <laughs> my. Well, I still remember, uh, I think it's in the Hurley episode, where he goes, like, on a rant. Maybe it's a pissed-off giraffe. I don't know. And that is my favorite thing. Like, I, I was so ready for it to be a pissed-off giraffe for the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, no, and again, I just want to echo, I think, her uh, and Charlie. They were both really, like, on point, uh, yeah. this episode of the joke. Because, well, b- before I go there. I, I'm going to stand by this. I, I think that Jack is pushing Kate away in that moment. I, you think so? She also, she she gives him this expression, too, because this is kind of what sealed it for me, is that, like, she doesn't nod or anything. She gives him this look of, like, worried. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's partly why. I think, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit jumping the gun, but I also think that even with the context of this episode, it is totally believable that Jack blames Kate for the fact that Jack just had to kill. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. And it and it um, <laughs> goes back to a, a Hurley shout out in this I absolutely moment when um <laughs> he's like it's like Kate's in there alone with him and Jack's like yeah uh he's like are you worried and he's like she's 120 pounds she's sopping wet and Hurley's like well she's got a gun he's like what <laughs> <laughs> he knows that Kate had the gun. Even though she's walking out, she got Sawyer to shoot the like to go in and shoot the guy. So now he's in this crossroads of like because Kate has this relationship with the guy because she saw that this guy who Jack doesn't like, uh, <laughs> but that guy is incompetent because he missed the heart or and didn't shoot him in the head. Jack has to kill a guy. Like I think it's totally reasonable that Jack is sitting there on the beach looking at the ocean, and not only did she screw me up because I had to kill someone, but she also now screwed the guy up. <laughs> who I don't because like he's now rocked like Sawyer at the end of that episode is genuinely like shaken like he really is shaken. yeah he really is and it's like 
you could look at this as though like Kate just screwed up three people's lives. <laughs> the Marshalls, Sawyers, and and Jacks. <laughs> Okay, you know what? You're you're starting to you're starting to convince me. I think it'll depend on how they interact in the next episode. Because like they if will. they're like no. everything's cool, uh, I think more my side. But oh man, you make a very convincing argument. And I uh, oh what tangled webs we weave. <laughs> so Kate's Kate's Kate is a terrible person, is what you're telling me. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing. Like they, they spend the flashbacks trying to she's actually good intention yeah but they show you like she just screwed over three people <laughs> like uh and yeah like that's a dangerous person <laughs> but yeah no i i think you're i think the next episode in the same way that like this lock thing is super sinister yeah. and i believe you know the next episode starts with him working in a box factory or a game, board game company you know like it's <laughs> it's like eh, should i be afraid of this man you know well, but, this is something yeah you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more next episode but like I was always confused as to whether Locke had always had the skills that he shows on the island or if he just developed all those skills in preparation for the walkabout that he never went on. And really more of a question for next time. But like even it's like carving a whistle out of wood, like that's not you know, that's not an easy thing to do. That's, yeah. Well, and especially a dog with yeah. you actually you gotta know how to hit that octave right? or whatever that is. Yeah, like, I mean I feel like that's a little bit more um, advanced than just being in the Boy Scouts, but I don't know. I don't remember if we ever get, like, a, a satisfactory answer there. I think, like, with the cannabis thing, what they're trying to show is that he did, like, bury himself in hobbies. Because I will say, like, as unrealistic as it is, like, having enemies, you know, like, having worked on the boats, there were plenty of people who came to the boats who, like, their hobby was, like, welding weapons and swords. <laughs> and there was a, a a girl, she had a law or criminology degree. And I remember after she worked there six months, she she carved a cleat like that you put the boat ropes around out of yeah. wood. She just, that was, she whittled it. How did you know how to do it? She's like, oh, I just thought of the shape. And I was like, okay. Well, so, I mean, but <laughs> again, a dog whistle is also hyper-specific. So I'm a little like, uh, but, but yeah, so that was, and I don't know that we really talked uh, at length about this, but I do, I, again, just want to point out that, that Sawyer, what a, a transformation for him yeah. to go from carefree Cracking wise, this is my environment, got some porno mags, to <laughs> genuinely, he is rocked at the end of this episode. Yeah. It was funny watching uh, the pilot and being like, oh, I remember really liking Sawyer. I This guy sucks. And then <laughs> go, watching this episode and being like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, we're playing, we're playing different angles of this personality now. This is the guy I remember. He's charming. But he's but he's he's got a he's got a he's a real person on the inside. He puts up a front of being an asshole, but he does feel things. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, he was rocked. Yeah, so I'll be curious to see him in the next episode too to see how they carry that thread. The other thing I do want to mention, I I did really like Charlie because I I had because I know that like Sawyer was your favorite but from the so it's interesting to hear you say like in the pilot you're like do I like this guy Charlie <laughs> again. The jokes in the, in the pilot just weren't. I was like, I remember really liking this character. This episode, I Charlie. Yeah. Um, I the other thing that I loved, and again, I, I feel like this goes back a little bit to the whole Michael son. Like they're trying to find what pairings they can do. And yeah. I love that Charlie. Yeah, like that moment with Locke where he's like, I was in a band. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that. He, yeah, cozies up to Locke, just starts talking. Um, and same thing with Claire, where it's like. Yeah, he doesn't. And I love that he does the line that like is in 
every labor is like, oh, so you travel, is your husband on the plane or, you know, it's like, um, and I, sorry. Oh, that was a note I had. I actually was like, I was way more uncomfortable with Boone holding a gun yep. than Sawyer, Kate or Sight. Like, yeah, <laughs> someone that actually does not know what they're doing. Like, dude, get the gun out of his hands. Uh, like, I love that. This is not. I even forget because it's been so long since I've seen Shannon and Boone, like how they're constantly bickering. Which he's like, he doesn't believe in guns. He goes on marches, and he's like, and but to like while he's having an argument with the whole group, he's having a sub argument with Shannon. He's like, I don't go on marches. Like, yeah, I, I absolutely, yeah, yeah. They that dynamic is so so missed as you mentioned like later. Yeah, uh, I think the, the previous episode, but like I I remember being very annoyed by them, and now. Almost being charmed by the fact that they they're just this this not couple not couple that's just bickering with each other throughout the whole show. It's like all these important things are happening and they're just just being snippy with each. And when he gives I, the look she gives him in the montage when he gives her her sunglasses and his little smug smile after he's like, "Yeah, I got your sunglasses." I'm like, who are you? Who are you people? Yeah. What are you doing? I also. I absolutely adored the line where it's like, oh, I wish you would just die already. He's like, real humane, Shannon. <laughs> it's like, cause, uh, yeah, it's like, and it's funny too, because like, I remember, I think like, again, just not having enough experience to uh, have met someone like that. But yeah, like I, I distinctly remember at one point being like in the office at work and someone complaining about how there was a car accident and that's why they were late. And it's like, yeah, someone might be dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, who cares that this inconvenienced you? <laughs> like, uh, I always but yeah, think about you know, the actor who has to take a role like that. Where how do you how do you sell someone on that? Where you have to just be like, all right, here's the thing: we're gonna put you in some skimpy clothes, and ev- almost every episode, you're just gonna be the worst person on the beach. And like, do you just like do you sell it by saying like, oh, there's hidden depths, or do you just say like, that's the role? Um, we think you'd be great for this. What do you think? Uh, like what? What? Is the, yeah, you know, point? it's funny because yeah, like I've never seen like, a behind the scenes or anything because you you know you hear the story of like oh yeah we 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 had to get her uh, Jorge Garcia in there like yeah. uh oh yeah we wrote the character of Sawyer basically around his audition and da 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 and yeah. like yeah you never hear them be like oh yeah when we met Maggie Grace uh we we would just we knew that she like this character shannon this would be perfect for us like like, you've never i've never seen that uh angle no one wants to hear Uh, that no one wants to be like oh this 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 terrible human being that we wrote would be perfect for you i don't know how you you warm up to that idea maggie grace just has a very specific talent for being able to deliver her lines through her teeth like every single yeah (laughs) that's like every other line is just Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that. We'll get to that when we get to that. The uh, shoot, I think there was one last thing that I had. Well, no, I guess it isn't like a major thing. It was a curiosity thing though, which is uh, Ray Mullen's fake arm. I remember at the time, uh, because again, when you introduced me to the show, you'd say like, oh, everything's a mystery. You gotta pay attention to everything. I remember at the time being like, oh, are they explain how we lost his arm? Um. <laughs> And I only mention it because there's a part of me that's like, do you think, like, I wonder if there was like a part of them that's like, well, we'll, we'll give the farmer one arm and maybe it'll be important. Like, <laughs> do you think that they had planned on like revisiting this guy or? I, I mean, I can't rule that out. I think they did it to show that he did need the help because he's not just an older farmer. He is a one-armed farmer. And that's good. 
that's why he needs the help. I, I, it's, it is an interesting, it's an interesting thing to write into the script because you could have gotten away with that by just having him alone on the farm and not having any help. It's, it's, I mean, it's nice to see, you know, representation for somebody who's disabled, but it, it is one of those things where because everything here is a puzzle, you do wonder, is there, is there significance beyond the surface level? Uh, because, Again, when she's like pulling him out of the car, the fact that the arm comes off, like the camera does fixate on that. Like it does show like the arm come off. And yeah, I I, I wonder if, if there's any. But I I my my gut tells me it's just to show like, yeah, he really did need the help. Uh he's a he's a one armed farmer in Australia, which is full of deadly flora and fauna. Of course, uh, he he needs <laughs> help, but I don't know. Yeah, that, no that makes a lot of sense. Last thing I'll mention uh, is because uh, <laughs> I did enjoy this. Um, and I'm sure someone in the prop department, which even though I, I did write down as a joke, I'm like, when Saeed's just got the stick, I'm like, oh, they lost the prop person to make the, the grass airplane. <laughs> but where's um, that grass airplane? Well, because at the same time, like of all the people, Saeed actually probably would. Like I, yeah. I could say, you know, for a grass airplane. That's but anyway, great, yep. I love that not only does he carry a mugshot in his pocket, but someone had the foresight to write in the top right, page two of two. <laughs> and I appreciate that because I was like, why does he just have a photocopy picture of the mugshot? But it feels like it's implied that's like, oh, yes, the details are on page one of two. That's, that's which a fantastic we did not catch. I'm, I'm, that's great. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> well, because it, it almost made me feel like the show was super dated for a moment because I'm like, it's 2004. Why does he have a photocopy of just like a like a mugshot that you print out on it. It's like, oh no, he probably had both maybe lost one or, or like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like page one of two must've had like, here's what she is arrested. Here's like her details, you know, age, uh, height, all of the crime, you know, like, yeah. I, I just, I like whoever was in charge of the props. Uh, I give them props because that was, that was a nice, a nice little thing to throw in there. It was a fantastic, uh, fantastic find. I like that. I like that a lot. So yeah. And do we, do we have any final thoughts on this episode? Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any characters missed. I guess I would just say, uh, we don't need to include this, but I, I, I like that they are, they're already using uh, the oceanic uh, airplane bottles as, as bottles for, for water. I feel like those bottles get used so much throughout the show. It's just something that uh, to see that they've already got like the tops cut off and Hurley's going to fill them up. I don't know why that, that, why that tickles me, but it does. Yeah, no. And I, I even they've all like established parts of the plane uh, that like they're, they're staying. And I will say though, too, like I always imagine just like that awful thing that you get when you're wet and you like, sit in sand and then it's like your pants are covered in sand for like the next like four months um you know i know they've been through this trauma so i'm sure a little sand in their pockets probably doesn't bother them but like no one seems to really like it reminds me i guess i remember distinctly watching the director's commentary for spider-man 3 and i think it's like 99 percent. anytime you see sand from the sandman it's it's just ground up corn um because <laughs> if if they had used real sand they're like there would be no way Toby would be able to get that out of his suit. That's a good point. And like, you can kind of tell with the texture. I remember there's a, there's a scene where Toby's on the Toby when Spider-Man is on the roof <laughs> and he slides off his Spider-Man, he shakes it out. And it very much like just the weight of it. You can tell like, it's like, Oh yeah, that's not sand. That's definitely something else. Yeah. But anyway, I just, I just thought about that just cause like, I remember like watching like Michael, like get closer to Walt and, and he's just like scooting over in his khakis in the sand. I'm like, man, it is, it is. I just know like, 
that texture is going to be on your butt for the yeah. rest of your time on the island. Oh um, man, I never even thought about that. Yeah, you like on the like it's it's great that you get to live in Hawaii while you're shooting the show, but yeah, all day, which and like a TV shooting schedule is crazy. It's like 12 hours or something. You are just covered in sand. Ugh. Ugh. Well, now I'm gonna be thinking about that every episode. Thanks. <laughs> can't get that out of my. Ugh. Ugh. Speaking of the wreckage, like they do start building their own community, which I think is really cool. It's sort of like with Deadwood, where it's like every season the town gets a little bit more built up and becomes like more civilization. And I know at some point, I know they they like explicitly show this. I don't remember if it's in season one or if it's later that the that the beach is like shifting and the water actually like like reclaims a bunch of the wreckage and so that the like the wreckage eventually disappears which I'm, I'm sure was just a production thing where they're sort of like we don't we don't want to have to cart this wreckage out here all the time i like how they they've sort of like gin and son and walt and michael they've already pitched their tents pretty much and that's where they that's their spot which i think is absolutely what would happen like in a in a real crash scenario like that like people would definitely all like mark down like their territories it would just happen like it happens anywhere like you're at a, a pta meeting you're at a, a meeting of your friends where it's like everybody like has their spot and that's just a thing that like humans do like we just come out and say like this is this is where i like to put my butt normally and if somebody's sitting here i didn't i didn't i'm not gonna say anything about it but i'm gonna be pissed off about it <laughs> yeah they did a good job with the as you mentioned the socks the, <laughs> and that uh the ambiance uh with the wreckage and everything but yeah, I think uh, right. I think I think we did it. I think we did. Right. I like it. <laughs>